Welcome to Modern Career. I'm your host, Mary Humiston. Whether you're thinking about changing, advancing, or even reinventing your career, we want to help you live your full potential. In each episode, I cover work and career topics, leveraging my HR leadership expertise, and through interviews with other career experts and professionals from around the world. Subscribe today and visit modern-career.com for blog posts, pointers, career stories, and more. Let's jump into our next episode. Welcome to Negotiate with Confidence. Our conversation today will focus on the most successful strategies for negotiating for what you want in your career. We'll explore different negotiation situations and techniques. Your career outcomes will largely be affected by what you're willing to ask for and negotiate with confidence. Our guest today is Melissa Hereford, a writer, consultant, and business coach. For 20 plus years, she has been teaching corporate professionals how to have more authentic and connected conversations that result in the desired outcomes. She leverages her background in corporate procurement and sales, where she not only led successful negotiations, she delivered the training on how to do so within the Fortune 500. Welcome, Melissa, and thank you for joining us on this really important conversation. Hi, Mary. Thanks for having me. Let's jump right in. Why is negotiating and advocating for yourself so important? Yeah, it's probably one of the most important things you can do for yourself in your career and really in your life, learning how to ask for more of what you want so that you can not only be more successful in your career, but be more successful in all the relationships that you have at work, at home, your interpersonal skills, all of those things are really connected into how we talk to one another, how we ask clearly for what we want, and how you respond or bounce back from rejection when you get a no. Those are all really life skills that are integrated into every part of your daily communication, your daily interaction with everybody in your life. So we're going to touch on both career and life and the negotiating aspects that are important in both. On the career side, what are some of those situations where these negotiation skills really matter? The one that people always want to talk about is negotiating your salary. Negotiating your salary is, let's just be frank here, super important. The one thing that truly separates men and women when it comes to getting ahead in the workplace is their ability and willingness to negotiate for their salaries. Over and over again throughout my career, I talk to women who say, I didn't negotiate. I work with women who are mid-career and moving into a new position who have said, I have never negotiated my salary. I feel like I should just accept what they offer me and I should be grateful for it. And let me be clear, Barry, to everyone out there listening, you could be grateful and still negotiate your salary. And by doing so, you are resetting the baseline. No matter where you are in your career, if you have never negotiated your salary before, learning how to do so and asking for more is really going to be the biggest jump from where you are today to where you can end up. I saw on your website some of the statistics and I found them rather shocking about the average underpayment or what we leave on the table. 
any comments on that? Or can you share any? I've written them down, but you may have them (laughs) in your head. Yeah, over 60% of women do not negotiate their salary. And in fact, a recent study that I just read from, I think it was on Glassdoor, said that 72% of women are more likely to leave their job to get a salary increase than they are willing to negotiate at the job that they currently have. So they are actually, talk about like an avoidance tactic, they are actually more willing to switch to a different company than to talk to their boss about how to get ahead. And this is not only for your salary, this is for increasing your responsibility and making sure that you're on a track, a career track that you wanna be on. These are related to projects that you'd like to have exposure to so you can increase your skills. Having those conversations, your salary, your future, your career options, all of those things are really just different parts of the same conversation. And so that number I found really shocking. If you think about over 60% of women are not willing to negotiate their salary or don't know how or somehow avoiding it, think of all the money that you're leaving on the table. I've seen numbers up to over the course of your career that you could be leaving between five hundred dollars and $800,000 over the course of your career by not negotiating your salary. Because let me let you in on a little secret. Hiring managers, recruiters expect you to negotiate. When you don't negotiate, they go into these conversations with you expecting you to ask for more. So think of all the money that they are saving by not having to pay you that extra 2%, 3%, 5%, 10%, whatever you are leaving on the table. And that's all money that could be going directly into paying off your house, paying for your kids to go to college, having a 401k or an IRA set up to support you when you want to retire. Imagine if you had an extra half a million dollars in that retirement account, what that could mean to your life. And if that doesn't motivate you to negotiate, to learn how to ask for more, Think about being able to pay for your children's college and what that would mean to you. Because oftentimes as women, we're more motivated thinking about others and we are more able to make that ask when we think about others than asking for ourselves, where we tend to fall into that loop in our own minds, I'm being greedy, I'm being greedy, thinking about paying for your child's college, or something that's outside of yourself, helping your parents or helping a family member can often create that boundary, that separation between I'm being greedy, I'm asking for myself versus I'm asking for someone else. And it can just give you that extra boost of confidence to be able to do it. Well, first of all, it is shocking. And it should be shocking. I think Clearly, we all know that we have a lot of work to do on the pay equity side of things for all, but we have to do our part is what you're saying. Individually, we have to represent ourselves in the meantime and be very assertive about this. That is a huge percent that are not doing that, but also that's a huge dollar amount to your point. Let's talk about what goes into the mindset. Why does someone, male, female, or anywhere in the world, do it and do it with confidence versus someone who doesn't? You talked about a greedy mindset or what goes into the thinking that gets in the way? You know, the number one thing that I hear over and over again is I'm afraid to ask because I might get a no. And what does it mean to me as a human when my boss says no? If my boss says, we can't pay you more because nobody's getting an increase right now. What do you hear 
in between the lines, the subtext of that rejection is, I'm not worth it. Gosh, I should never have asked. I shouldn't have gone out a limb. I feel so much shame around having asked and gotten a no. And that shame, that fear of getting a no is enough to absolutely paralyze most people because they don't know what to do when they get a no. So part of what I teach women, and I have a lot of men in my programs as well, so I talk about women, but I find that Generation Z, the men who are coming into the workplace today who are more tuned into their own emotional intelligence are much more likely to show up in my programs as well. So I don't mean this to be gender exclusive. It's men and women, especially for the younger generation. But what I find is that they are so afraid to ask and get rejected that they just let it hold them back. And they don't know how to ask. They don't know how to be assertive. And then specifically, they don't know what to say when it does happen. And I find that there's so much power and empowerment in just knowing those few words. What do I say? How am I going to say it? And what am I going to say if they say no? So you're not just left feeling, I have no idea what to say. How do I respond to this? My boss said no. I just say, okay, and leave the room as fast as I can because I'm so embarrassed and so humiliated. Then you walk out of the room and you think, I'm never doing that again. That was so horrible. But imagine being empowered and having the words to use so that if that happens, if you get a no, you know what to say so the door isn't closed on you emotionally forever. And the door isn't closed even in that conversation with your boss. Even if your boss says no, what do you say in response to leave that door open so that it doesn't shut forever? I want to share that, you know, as you talk about the fear and the shame and the mindset, when I was in graduate school, there was a professor, and I do not remember the exact context, but he used to say, ask for what you want. And that stuck with me. And he used to really drum that in. And it was about any context. Say you were checking into a hotel and you wonder if you could be upgraded. I remember the saying, ask for it. They can say no. Any chance, you know, you have a suite not being used tonight or whatever. And I have leveraged that through my entire career since then, because it's absolutely right. Anybody can say no, but if you never ask, you never get. Yeah, Mary, that is so powerful. And it is something that in our culture, we just don't do. We don't practice asking. There's a great TED Talk. I think it was called 100 Days of Rejection and maybe even a book that came out of the TED Talk. The guy, I'm sorry, I can't remember his name, but he challenged himself over the course of 100 days, every single day to ask for something, whether it's an upgrade to a suite or a rental car. He even asked for a second hamburger at a fast food place. Can I just have a second one for free, like included? And he knew that he was probably going to get a no, but sometimes you get a yes. And the purpose is not to get the yes. That's always great when you do get the yes. The purpose is to take the emotion out of the no so that you can ask for the important things. So that when you take a chance and ask for something that you really want, getting a no is not emotionally devastating to you. It doesn't stop you in your tracks. It's just another bump in the road and it's not that big of a deal. You mentioned how important it is, or the technique many have used to pretend you're asking for others. And I think you're spot on. If you ask those same people who don't negotiate as much as they would like, they would say they would do it for someone else. They would advocate and stand up for others. 
And that technique is really powerful. Tell us more about that. Yeah, there's a lot of research around this where I have a client who's a VP of procurement in a Fortune 500 company, and she leads a team. She said she is ruthless when it comes to negotiating for her company, negotiating for her team, negotiating for resources. Listen, I need to make this higher, and here's the reason why, and provide all the documentation and everything that her boss needs to know to approve that request because she's negotiating for her team. But negotiating for herself, for her salary, for her compensation, for her title, those things are things that she has to practice and role play over and over again. It just shows again and again in the research that standing up for your team, asking for resources and those sorts of things is so much easier because it's not personal. It's not about me. If my boss says no, it's not about my skills. It's not about my ability. It's not about how I'm perceived by my boss. It's about my team and whether or not we can gather the resources we need for them. It's just easier emotionally to be able to do that. So how do you then apply what you do for your team or what you do for others so that you can do it for yourself? Because who deserves it the most? You deserve it the most. You are delivering out there day after day after day for your company. You're doing an amazing job and you're so competent in what it is that you do. You believe Maybe you don't completely believe, but you want to believe that you're worth it and you're worth more because you're doing a great job. And a lot of people think if I do a great job, if I put my nose to the grindstone and I am the most competent person on the team, my boss is going to say, oh my gosh, Melissa, you are amazing. I'm going to give you a fat raise. It's like the magic fairy of raises is going to come by my desk and sprinkle it on me. But that is not what happens. Now, you may be one of these lucky people who it happens to, and you get the promotion, you get the raise without having to ask for it. But studies consistently show that that is not what typically happens in the workplace. And this is where another huge gender divide comes in, is that men are much more comfortable typically asking for what they want. They go in and they have the conversation with their boss that says, hey, I'd really like to get a raise. Here's the documentation about what I've done. I've done the research and here's what I think I should be making. And if they get a yes or a no, they know how to continue that conversation. Women never have that conversation assuming that they're going to be recognized because they are the most competent. There's a great book out there that has a ton of documentation called The Confidence Code where they look specifically at this idea of competence versus confidence. And having the confidence to go in and ask or have the conversations about your career, your promotions, your salary, all of those things is a huge component of being seen as a leader, as the person who can move up the next rung versus the person who is extremely competent and willing to just put their nose to the grindstone and do that work forever, whether or not they get recognized. And assuming that you're listening to this episode because you want to be more effective in asking for more of what you want, negotiating more effectively, knowing that having that confidence is a key component to your success, that confidence often follows. You often hear stories of, why did that person get promoted? I have five more years experience than he does, and I do so much of a better job. My feedback is consistently above his. Well, he went in and asked for it and you were waiting for your boss to offer it to you. And that is the biggest difference in how you succeed and how you get promoted in your work. I love that. And that that is Caddy Kay, who's on the BBC, who wrote that book. And I've had conversations with her about it. And really, this is a broad challenge. And you're right, it does have a gender disproportion, but it is really a broad opportunity. I remember once going into a new role on an executive team and just to get my confidence up because I was new person on the team, I found myself sitting in the front 
of the room and the table. So when we had staff meetings, CEO sat towards the front and I sat towards the front as close to the CEO as I could. And what it did is it gave me more confidence to speak up versus the back or the middle where you had to kind of jump in and it was all men and me. It was just easier. And I remember a colleague saying, wow, you know, you really participate a lot and you speak up a lot. And he thought it was great. And he said to me, and he was born outside the US, don't assume it's all women. I struggle with this too. And I told him my technique. I said, what are you doing sitting in the back? (laughs) Get up here. And he's outstanding, but it did increase his level of contribution. Absolutely. I so love that story. How many times have you walked into a conference room? Well, in the bigger picture right now, nobody's walking into a conference room, but even on a Zoom call or WebEx, you know, we're finding more and more these conversations are happening on video. Turn your camera on, make sure that you are seen. If you have a question, ask the question. If you have something you want to share, share it. Speaking up is absolutely critical to being recognized. And I love that you were sitting at the front of the room. Most people, especially junior people, when you're just starting out, are sitting in the back. I don't want to be seen. I don't want to take a risk. Again, it comes back to that idea of riskiness. I'm afraid to ask. I'm afraid to speak up. What if I sound stupid? How many times have I heard people say, I don't want to speak up because I don't know all the answers. But there are effective communication techniques that you can use. Negotiation, communication, they're essentially the same. How do you not only get the confidence to speak up, but even if you don't know the answer, to be able to say, that's a great question. Let's get back to it or I'll do some research and get back to you without feeling like you've completely failed if you don't have the answer to the question. And knowing that you know what to say when you don't know what to say is really a key component to that effective conversation, that effective communication that you want to be having. You mentioned the fear and the shame. Can you share if there is anything that goes on in the confidence side of things about power balance? So if you're in there talking to your boss or someone who you feel there's a power imbalance, does that affect it? Oh, absolutely. And that's one of the reasons I love your story, Mary, that you just shared is you just ignored the power balance. You sat right next to the CEO, right up at the front. I always took that approach too. I think it comes more naturally for some people than others. And what we want to do is empower the people who that doesn't naturally come for. And it's not just a woman thing to say, okay, there are different things going on in this situation. Yes, the power is unequal. I can sit right next to the CEO and know that he has situational power and positional power that is significantly higher than mine. I'm just starting out. I don't really know anything, but you know what I do know is he's a human and I'm a human. And we probably have things in common that we may not even realize. And you know what people love to talk about more than anything else? Themselves. So if you have no idea what to talk about, and you want to close the gap between the power, the situational power, or the positional power between you and the person that you're meeting with, is ask them questions. Break down those fake barriers that the CEO is somehow better than you, and know that you deserve to be there. This company hired you for a reason. And that reason, you have to find within yourself what it is and believe that you deserve it. But you can start to break down those barriers just by seeing, hey, this person is a SVP or a C-level executive, but they're also a human. And if I can find a way to connect with them, what that does is make you feel more confident and more comfortable. And that's what you're looking for, are those little things that you can use to become more comfortable in your own skin. And curiosity about the other person is really the best place to start in situations like that. 
So you talked about the words you use. Let's go there. What matters? What words and what matters in that regard? I could teach a whole class on this, Mary. And in fact, I do. (laughs) (laughs) When it comes to what you say, let's go back to where we started, which is negotiating your salary. People feel a significant level of comfort by having a script that they start off with. So that's where when I'm working with clients on negotiating anything, we start with a script. And we start with what are the actual words that you want to say to prepare you knowing that You're not going to stick to the script, but having it is going to give you a huge level of confidence. When I go in and talk to my boss, I want to get a promotion. Where do I start? What are the words that I actually use? And there are a few key components that are built into the scripts that we develop together that will help you to feel confident in what you're going to say. The first is you want to be clear. And oftentimes we think that we're being clear, but we're not. I'll give you an example. I actually give the success of my 25, almost 26 year marriage to having started my career in negotiation skills training around the same time as I got married. And you would think, oh, well, Melissa is employing all these tactics on her husband in order to negotiate and win with him. But that's not what negotiating is about. Negotiating is about communication and talking to one another. When I was a newlywed and my husband and I had just moved in together, And we were sharing the housework. We were both working full time, even 26 years ago. We were such a groundbreaking couple. And I would ask him, like, honey, can you do this thing? Like, I would ask him, honey, can you vacuum? And he would say, yeah, of course. And then, like, the day would go by. And then the next day would go by. And meanwhile, I'm fuming because I clearly asked him to please vacuum. And he said, yes. So what the heck is going on here? And what was missing from that is a time frame. So I realized when I started working in negotiation space, like, oh, I'm completely missing this whole section of the conversation that helps me to be more clear. So once I started saying, can you vacuum today before we go to bed tonight? And he said, yes, then there was a clarity to my request. And oftentimes we think when we're interacting with our peers, we're asking them to hit a deadline or to get back to us, making sure that you have a due date that you have what the next step is going to be, that all adds clarity to your ask, to being able to clearly say what it is that you want. And you'll find if you're able to master this and to be more clear when you're asking for what you want at work, using these skills at home is so much more effective with your kids and your spouse. And suddenly when you're not frustrated because your husband didn't vacuum because you asked him to, Life is so much easier and better. I'm not unhappy with him like I used to be because I was clear. I was clear. I let him know what I needed by when. So it gives me a lot more power and control over the relationship and over the conversation. But it also helps him out. It helps your kids out. Now, okay, I've got a teenager, so let's be upfront here. I can say, would you please take out the trash by the end of the day 15 times and he still won't do it. So there's a caveat. (laughs) There's a caveat there. But when you're using these skills to be clear, when you're asking for what you want, making sure that you're really letting your boss or letting your peers know what it is that you expect by when is incredibly powerful. I like also what I heard in there, whether it's husband and wife, boss, employee, any relationship between two people or broader, you know, in a team, is that you're on the same side. You both want a win-win and success. It's not like, oh, you take out the garbage and I win and you lose, or it's you're happy, they're happy. A boss wants an employee to be 
successful to be engaged, to stay with them in a retained, highly productive, engaged way. These are things that it's not about asking for something. Maybe, you know, again, there are some things, of course, to navigate around, but it is generally a win-win. Absolutely. You hear win-win when it comes to negotiation. It's a very common approach, but we don't always know how to get the win-win. Like, what does that really mean? And I think you really hit the nail on the head, Mary, when you said that. It's about making me happy and making you happy. And there are lots of different ways to get to that endpoint that maybe we didn't even think about when we started this conversation. For example, a win-win when I negotiate my salary is I go in, I ask for a raise and you say yes. <laughs> that here's the win-win. I'm doing great work for you. I'm on time. I'm a high performer. Here are all the results that I've gotten for you. So the organization is winning by having me on your team. And then I want to be paid. The win for me is that I want to be paid for the value that I'm bringing to the company, right? That's a win-win, but it's not always that easy. Your boss may not have access to a bigger budget. You may not have access to the money, but that doesn't mean that the door closes forever. It means a win-win Maybe I'm still going to be a high performer, but let's talk about what the future looks like. If there are other things we can bring in that are going to satisfy me for now, I still want the salary increase in the future. So let's not close that door. But are there other things that I could be getting as part of my job that's going to increase my skill set, that's going to introduce me to other departments, that's going to increase my visibility in our own department, an opportunity to speak at an event so that I'm being seen as more of a leader. There are all sorts of things that can help me feel like I'm winning in this position, even if I don't get the money today. And I think that's really the underlying creativity that comes into play in negotiation that you will never get to if you shut down and allow yourself to be consumed by shame because you got to know. If your boss says, I just can't give you a raise right now because we don't have the money, and you feel so much shame that you can't continue the conversation, the best way to overcome that is to be prepared. What else can I ask for to keep the conversation going so that the door isn't shut? I am not allowing this door to be shut. I have some ideas about other ways, more creative, interesting ways that you cannot access if you shut down emotionally in that moment. You talked about what to say and having that script and that clarity and also the next steps of a hook to the future or, okay, hear you, but not now. How about this? Or putting something else on the table. Could you talk about a how? Is there a how that involves maybe staying very grounded, not emotional? Is there something about the how you do it as well? Yeah, there are three components in every negotiation. And they are one, what you think your mindset, what's going through your mind, how you think about yourself, whether or not you believe you deserve it. So your mindset is one. So it's what you think. The second is what you say, the words that are coming out of your mouth, having a script to help you feel more confident, having a list of things that you can ask for if you get a no is part of that what you say. There's also another component to that, which is how you say it. <laughs> so what you say and how you say it. But the third key area to prepare for any negotiation is what you do. And these are action steps to help move you forward. So if we stick with our same example we've been using, something that you would do is send a follow-up email to the person you've been talking to. Here's what I understand we agreed to, and here's where we still have areas we need to work out. With your boss, it's, I understand that we don't have money to give me a raise right now, 
but I'd like to revisit this in six months. Let's see where the company is in six months. Mary, I cannot tell you how many people I have talked to who said, well, when I was hired, I was promised a raise at six months. Six months came and either I had the conversation with my boss, my boss said I wasn't ready, or I hadn't meet the criteria, or they didn't have the money, or you know whatever the reason was. And that was two years ago. We've never revisited the conversation. And I feel stupid for bringing it up now. I have no idea how to bring it up. So don't let that, don't ever let that door close. It's never too late. But the way that you avoid having that door close is by always having an action step. The next thing that you're going to do to keep moving that conversation forward, whether it's about your career, your resources, your team, projects, this is true for anything that you're negotiating. You want to put a date on the calendar in six months or a year and say, I'm just going to put it on as a placeholder. So I know for sure that we won't let this fall off our radar. And that says something really important to your boss or whoever you're negotiating with about your confidence level, that you believe in yourself and that you're thorough and efficient. You're going to make sure that this doesn't disappear off their radar. Your boss is not sitting around thinking, okay, it's been a year. I need to follow up with Melissa and make sure that she gets that raise I promised her. It's up to you to make sure that that happens. I want to second this because it's such a critical point. First, I would say I've done that myself when I've gotten a not now or can't afford it, whatever. And I have calendared it and I have followed up and I have succeeded in that. Also, I've had employees who worked in my organizations do that very effectively, and they have been very successful at it. And to your earlier point, and you just said it again now, my respect for them went way up because of the follow-up, because of the way they did it, because of the result. It's a big deal. Yeah. And I'd like to tie back to something you said in the very beginning, which is that you have to be more assertive. And people often confuse assertive with aggressive, right? That there's this whole thing about likability and the fear of being called bossy or aggressive. Some of your listeners may have heard this term, ban bossy, that we want women, well, and men, we want everyone to be able to speak up and ask for more of what you want. But all it takes is one person, especially early in your career, who tells you that you're too aggressive or too bossy, and you're never going to get ahead if you have an edge to you right? If you're asking for what you want, it's just too much, or you're speaking up and all of those things just push those emotional buttons that we have of not being liked and being afraid of being criticized for things like bossy. Maybe you were called bossy when you were a kid and you're really sensitive to that. Kindergarten. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I see parents, like I said, I have a 15 year old son and I've seen over the course of his life, parents who respond in different ways to their young daughters who are quote unquote bossy. And How do you soften that edge without taking away that desire? Part of it is around this idea of curiosity. So being curious about other people and watching their body language to see how they're responding to you, it's all tied into emotional intelligence and being able to read the other person and what they're going to respond best to. So there's a component of that. But there's also trying out different things and being willing to just be curious about how you come across. For example, early in my career, I worked with all men. I was the only woman on the team. And I was constantly looking for opportunities to grow my career. I started in a pretty low level position and I was, you know, always looking for opportunities to do more. And my boss was a man and my like dotted line boss was a man. And I worked really well with them and they really appreciated and liked my style. So I grew under them getting that positive feedback. 
But I remember talking to my dad one time when I went home to visit him. I was talking him through what my strategy was. And he said to me straight out, Melissa, you are never going to get promoted if you're so aggressive. Like you need to tone it down. And I remember just that feeling of shrinking into myself, like, oh my God, doubting everything that I had done up until now. If my dad thinks I'm being bossy, I must be coming across as really harsh. But the truth is his ability to hear from a woman and from his daughter, who he saw in a certain way, was different than my boss's. And I was getting positive feedback there, negative feedback somewhere else. But just because he said to me those words does not mean that they're true. So one person telling you that you're too aggressive or you're being bossy does not mean that it's true. It should prompt you to think in a way that's curious as opposed to defeated. Don't let it hold you down. Do some research. Am I coming across as aggressive? It's good to know that I'm coming across as aggressive to you. I can probably do some things to soften myself around you. But that doesn't mean you have to change who you are for everyone else. One person does not mean everybody sees you that way. I agree. And often it is to stay curious on what it says about them and their thinking and where they're coming from in those comments versus something about you. You had talked about also this concept of soul setting versus goal setting. I'd love to touch on that because you talked about what your thinking is going into any negotiation. So does it start with a bit of thinking about your broader soul setting? Yeah, I do love this idea, especially right now. We're very reflective in our culture right now, which is a great thing. Oftentimes, we step onto the ladder with our first job, and we just kind of go with the flow. There are some people that actively manage their careers and see, for example, gaps in their resume that they want to fill. And I often have people who take a sideways positional move at the same level in order to get experience in an area that they want to increase their ability. And people who are just full force, straight ahead, promotion, 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 I got to get ahead. And there's a time where we need to take a step back and look at why we're doing things and what's important to you today and whether or not that goal that you set a few years ago is still really what you want. Is it really what you want? Because it's okay to shift and to change what your goals are based on where you are today. I mean, the greatest example is when you have, you know, if you have kids, when you have kids, I remember when my son was born and, you know, I do integrate a lot of the personal into the work that I do because there is no true separation between work and family. The way we communicate at work, if you're truly aiming for a win-win relationship and a relationship based on mutual respect and curiosity, that absolutely translate into the dynamics in your family. And I remember I had, most of my friends were really high-powered women who were very ambitious. And they said, I cannot step off this path. Like I cannot, and I don't want to, because I've lost myself and I don't know who I am anymore. And it's just one example of a pivot point in your life where you say, I have had these goals to increase my career, to focus on my career, and to move up to the next level in the organization. And it's okay to look at your life where it is today and set a different goal for where you are. And it may take you someplace really different than you thought you were going to be, that you have a passion project that you want to put time and energy into that may take you on a little bit of a different path or a side path. 
or it may just enhance where you are today. Let's try a role play. Melissa, we've talked about the pay scenario a lot. I know there are many others. Let's give it a go and see. I mean, you talked about what good looks like. Let's see how it works. I'd love to play the manager because I think that's the easier role. Would the scenario be you are coming in to ask for a raise, a promotion? Yeah, I would love to do that, Mary. It's really powerful to hear what it can sound like when you're having this conversation. The words are slightly different when you go in to talk to your boss, but the idea behind them is the same, where when you're creating a script and I'm going in, let's say that I'm going in to talk to you about a raise and, you know, Mary's my boss and I look at Mary sitting over there and I think, oh God, what am I going to say? How am I going to ask? I'm just not sure where to get started. How do I open the meeting? Do I just go in and say, I, I need a raise? You know, how does that actually happen? I'm going to use a framework in this scenario that you can actually get on my website. So if you go to melissaharaford.com, there's a button on the front page of my website that says download your script. And this is what you get is the script that walks you through what to say in this moment. It's essentially this, that You start by framing the meeting from a positive perspective related to your facts. I also noticed that you said you're not hijacking, you know, walking in here. I want to talk about you're setting a meeting. So let's say you set this meeting in advance and you said. Yeah, I'd say, Mary, I'd like to talk to you about my compensation. Do you have time in the next couple of weeks for us to meet? You don't want to take your boss unaware. You want to make sure that you're upfront about what you want to talk about so that your boss is ready to have that conversation. I think that's really great. I have to say my mind, when I read that, went to, ooh, does that imbalance things and give them the upper hand to go look at the 20 reasons why they would say no? (laughs) Yeah, that's a great point. And they may do that. And remember, always come at this from a win-win. If you're actually doing your job and doing it well, your boss does not want to lose you. It is very expensive to replace you. And I talk to people who, even if they've been at their job for years and are seen as a high performer and incredibly valued, there's that niggling doubt in your mind that if I ask for what I want, I'm going to get fired. It is so statistically unlikely that you're going to get fired for asking what you want, especially if you go in with this approach. Now, you may get fired if you go in and say, Mary, I've been here for five years and I want to raise now. Like, ew, that doesn't feel good for anyone, right? And nobody is going to go in and say that. It is so unlikely that you're going to go in and say that. But the things that you might go in and say are embedded in what I just said, which is, I've been here for five years and I think I really deserve a raise. Well, being there for five years, guess what? It's not enough to merit a raise. Yes, back in the day, people used to get like a 3% salary increase every year. Sometimes that still happens. Sometimes it doesn't. But actually, your length of time on the job does not mean that you deserve to make more money. What your boss is looking for is how are you adding value to your job? And how are you making their life easier? How are you making your boss's life easier? How are you contributing to the organization to make the organization better? Those are the things that you want to focus on in your conversation. So Melissa, for the foreseeable future, obviously we're experiencing a lot more remote work. 
Is there anything specific you'd share about negotiating in that context? So over the phone or Zoom or Teams or something that is different than that face-to-face? Is that easier, harder, anything to layer on? Yeah, I think most of us are pretty used to being on video calls now, (laughs) which is, you know, going three months in and more and more teams are going to be remote. Even if we're able to go back to the office, it's going to be significantly more remote. And your boss may be in a different state. A lot of people are moving out of cities that they were living in before because they realize they can work remotely. The future is happening now. So getting more comfortable being on video is absolutely critical. And if you're negotiating with anyone, your boss, a client, a team member, having your video turned on is really important. Being able to see the other person's facial expressions and how they're responding and their body language, you can pick up a lot, especially when you're used to being on video now and hearing all the different intonations in their voice. Having your video turned on is really critical for negotiating online. What is not useful (laughs) is trying to do it all by email because reading, you read so much into people's tone that isn't there. Did they use a smiley face? Did they use an exclamation point? Does that make them more friendly? Well, there's too many things that you can read into an email that is just leaves, it leaves too much up to chance. You want to control as much of this conversation as you can. So telling your boss, I'd like to talk to you about my compensation. It really puts you in control because your boss is going to go off and look at your performance and they're going to look at numbers and that's part of what their job is. But guess what? You're going to be doing the same thing. You're going to come into this conversation with a script that says, these are the things that I've accomplished. Here's some data for you to look at. This is the research that I've done on comp plans. And here's the range or here's the number that I think I fit into. And you're always going to go with the high end of that number. You're going to go in with the same kind of data to support your points as your boss is going to have. So you're coming in on equal footing, remembering that your boss wants this to be a win-win. They don't want you to walk away feeling generally, I mean, I'm speaking generally, they don't want you to walk away feeling demoralized and like you have to leave because it's expensive to replace you. I'd love to ask a couple of personal questions. One, you had this long corporate career in procurement and sales. Were you always good at these? You mentioned the earlier, you know, growing up stories as well. Is this sort of a chicken and egg? You were good at it and pursued those areas. And because you pursued those areas, you became even better at this whole area of negotiating with confidence. No, (laughs) I learned it all. (laughs) Listen, I learned everything that I'm saying to you today. Every negotiation program that I've taken, communication skills program that I've taken, comes from working hard to apply what I've learned. And my husband, I wish that he was in the room with me because he'd be laughing so hard. Like we always look at each other and say, I can't believe that I'm a communication expert when we're like speaking a different language. So you become so much better by practicing, but nobody ever becomes perfect at this. It's all by taking what you learn and practicing. That's why I love the 100 days of rejection because anybody can go into a conversation thinking, I can never ask this. But if you learn how to ask this and you desensitize yourself to rejection, you become so much better at asking it. 
you try it out. It doesn't work. You tweak it a little. You still sound too bossy or too aggressive for that person. All right, so you tweak it a little more. You try asking a question first. Oh, that didn't work so well with this person. Now I'm going to start by starting with a statement. Let's see how that goes. It's all about coming into learning how to do this with a learner's mindset, knowing that nobody is perfect. Yes, there are some people who do this better than others just by instinct, but most 99% of us learn how to do it. You try something out. If it doesn't work, you try something else. You don't give up. You know that if it's possible, if Mary can do it, if Melissa can do it, if all the people that I have quoted on my website, my testimonials can do it, you can do it. There's no difference between me and you, the person who's listening to this right now. The only thing that separates us is that I have practiced what I'm talking about. And so it's absolutely doable for any person to learn how to talk more openly about this stuff. I love that. Melissa, we ask this also of all of our guests. Is there a good or great piece of career advice, something that's served you well in your career that you might share with us? Yeah, it's the mindset of curiosity and having that learner's mindset. And that absolutely integrates into every single thing you do in your job. I went into my very first job out of college at a low level. And if I had waited to be promoted or waited to be asked to do something on a team, I would be doing that same job today. Every promotion that I got, every time I asked to be involved in a project that I thought was going to be interesting, showed to my boss that I was a curious person with a learner's mindset. And I think it's a huge mistake for people, no matter where you are in your career, if you've never done this before in your mid-career or your beginning, going into your career with this idea of, I'm here to learn. I'm on this planet to learn as much as I can and to interact with people in a way that brings me joy and brings them joy. And part of that is asking to be involved in a project that may look like it's outside of my area of expertise. Being able to just honestly say to my boss, this is an area I'd really like to learn more about. I'm really curious about this. Can you help me get onto that project team? I think I could add some value. Here are a couple of things that I could bring to this team. And being able to have those open curiosity-based learner's mindset conversations with the people in your life is absolutely the number one thing you can do to grow your career and to continue on a positive path as a human, to do positive things in this world for yourself, for your family, for your organization. That is so brilliant. Do you know I heard recently that in the culture of Microsoft, one of their shifts is to move from a culture of know-it-all to learn it all. I just love that so much. Yeah, it's spot on. Melissa, thank you so much for sharing all of your insights. This is such an important topic. As you teed up in the beginning, let us go and recapture all of that amazing opportunity that would change lives if we could not leave it on the table. And thank you. I think this is something, as you also said, we have to keep refreshing throughout our whole career, and it impacts our career journey and our life journey. We greatly appreciate you being here with us. Thanks, Mary. Thanks for having me. I love it. And everybody go out there and ask for one thing today. Ask for one thing that you want. Thank you so much, Melissa. My pleasure. For more resources on this topic, visit us on modern-career.com and on social media at Modern Career Pod. We'll include the sources noted in the episode in our show notes. Look forward to talking again very soon. 